episode 197 for October 2012. The Spider-Man Crawl Space Podcast is sponsored by MailOrderComics.com. They have discounts that start at 38 and they go up to 75% off the cover price of new comics and trades. An example on this one is Amazing Spider-Man number 700. This is the last amazing issue, allegedly, until something superior comes along. Now, the cover price is $7.99. Mail order has it for just $3.99, which is 50% off the cover price. So check them out at MailOrderComics.com. Welcome back, Carl Spacers, to our October show. Let's see who we've got on the line this month. We've got Kevin, an administrator on the website and a reviewer of various Spider titles. Welcome, Kev. What's going on, buddy? Hey, I'm just uh, finding out about one of the more glamorous things about L.A., being that it's two hours ahead of Brad. So I'm coming at you from 10 a.m. with about five hours of sleep. You're welcome. And you're a swinging bachelor, so 10 a.m. is, like, awful. Dear God. You've got to kick the girls out of the house. I mean, you got to get some bacon. Oh, no, she's get... just sleeping it off. It's cool. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, sir. We've also got Chris, a reviewer of Venom on the front page. What's going on, Chris? Well, like I was telling you guys, I was having some Skype problems, and, and this is a true story. You guys couldn't hear me, but I rebooted, and everything worked better. So now I'm starting over from a new number one, and I am the superior Chris now. Superior Chris, SC for sure. You look like a rainbow's drawing? <laughs> uh, that doesn't sound very superior to me at all. Oh. I, I'd, pref- I'd prefer to be a, a Stegman drawing myself. Take there you that, go. Roberto Ramos. <laughs> the other voice you just heard was Donovan, reviewer of the Amazing Spider-Man title. Welcome, sir. What's going on? What's going on? I just had a moose in my house, and she just left now, so I'm free to record. Wow. There you go. Uh, and also, Josh Roberto. <laughs> An administrator, a spider moment in time. Wait a minute, spider memories in time. Spider moment in time, named after your favorite story. We will kill the boy Alpha. His cheerleaders will weep for him. We will chop him. We will grind him. We will bathe in his blood. Don't call us podcasters. Don't call us negative. We are the law. We are the future. Spider-Man belongs to the crawl space. Soon the internet will be ours. Awesome. Only one person got that. Wow. Wow. Was that from Heroes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was that from? I, I thought it was like... Oh, it's only one of the most iconic comic books of all time, Brad. You're like, is that what from... What was that? What was it? That's the Frank Dark Miller, bitch. Dark Knight Returns. <laughs> oh. Dark Knight Returns. Uh, uh, oh! For, former <laughs> Crawl Spacer Bailey uh, did a show on that with Brett, with uh, Don recently, and then there was the new animated movie, so it's been like a Dark Knight Returns week. And, uh... you know, I, I, I read Dark Knight Returns about five years ago, and I was like, Kevin is with Watchmen. So wrong. So, I'm sorry. So I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> nice, Don. Alright, let's do a little uh, iTunes reviews and viewer mail. We actually have viewer mail, and we have an announcement. Uh, a couple of months ago, George offered to uh, give a contest, or actually offered to give a book, for the Make Mine Marvel Wedding Caption, etc. They had the Astonishing X-Men number 51, I think, and they had everybody's wedding picture except Spidey's. <laughs> so um, our friend Wheat Cakes won the competition. Woo! And You know what? I don't have his picture up in front of me. Do you guys remember what the winner was? Was it the Romita? Oh, you know what? I, I 
I kind of remember. Let me bring it up just in case. I remember it was but good. We, it was very good, and uh, George offered to do a $30 trade paperback, and Wheat Cakes had the best one. And the trade paperback that he picked and George bought was Spider-Man, the original Clone Saga trade paperback. Oh, so, that's a good one. A very good one. And, and one, actually, I don't own. I've got the, the, the singles, but I don't have that specific one. So, Wheat Cakes, thank you for uh, sending in a submission for the contest. And thank you, George, for spending $30 of your own money. I think it's to, the one. Uh, are you going to put this on the front page? Like, uh, the one where, like, she has the ring? Is that the one? That's what Wheat Cakes did, isn't it? I, I believe so. Or I, okay. I believe so. Awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's the cover to Marvel Saga. Yes, yep. I, I love that. That that Marvel Saga story was, uh, it, the whole issue was, um, it was like a companion piece to Amazing Spider-Man tw- Annual 21. And um, it was gorgeous. It was basically yep. JR's articles before JR's articles. It was like <laughs> the history of Mary Jane and Peter's relationship up until their marriage with with, yep, with, and- a, with a few retcons. Yeah, and, and they and, went back uh, that, and like altered dialogue and old Lee Ramita issues to match their narrative, and it was really bizarre. God, yeah, it was weird. Anyway, congratulations, sir. All right, let's. Do, we've got one iTunes review that I haven't read since we uh, read a whole bunch of them last. Is it month. positive? It is very positive. <laughs> Hard Trick Z is the guy's handles, and uh, he gave us five out of five stars. Two webbed thumbs up. I st- he says, I started with the podcast after listening to Amazing Spider-Man Classics. And I thought, quote, boy, I'm sure going to miss this witty banter from ASMC, but I'll give it a shot. And am I glad I did? I've spent the last month catching up on all the episodes. Good Lord, man, we're up to almost 200. <laughs> <laughs> They're really, they've really kept me going through long nights at work. The chemistry from the group is something wonderful, as they've been able to pull in Josh and Don from Amazing Spider-Man Classics. The reviews worked Great at catching me up on what's been happening with Spider-Man. While the reviews may be mixed on the current run, justifiably so, I've actually started picking up Amazing Spider-Man regularly now because of the gang's infectious enthusiasm for the character as well as reading through the back issues. Thanks, and keep up the amazing work. So, Card Trick Z, thank you very much. And Don and Josh, he loves your ass. <laughs> well, I love how he says, oh, you got, you were able to pull Don and Josh as if we were, like, these, like, great finds that, like, you, like, <laughs> you, like signed us on these, like, lucrative contracts or something. We were given yeah, a I, job. I stole you. <laughs> no, no, we, we, we begged Brad to join, man. We, like, we, we campaigned for this for years. <laughs> Although, it's nice to hear for, uh, you know, our very negative reputation that we got... Somebody to go pick up Amazing Spider-Man. So you're welcome for the sale, Mister Wacker. <laughs> Whoops. <Yeah. laughs> Whoops. He if was being that, sarcastic. Wacker sound like Steve Urkel. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> did I do that? And also something I don't do very often is uh, viewer mail. We uh, actually someone wrote a very nice email. Uh, by the name of Hector, and Hector says, Dear Brad, I've been wanting to write you this for some time. I first discovered your site around 2009 and found it to be tremendously uplifting. I've been a fan of Spider-Man since I was old enough to read. In fact, my dad taught me to read with comics as I had zero interest in regular children's reading material. This allowed me to have a better understanding of the world around me as well as a greater vocabulary than most children my age. Spider-Man books have taught me a great deal about life and how to manage it. The often, quote, line of power and responsibility holds much sway over me still. Spider-Man has taught me to do good by others, treat folks with respect, and generally that even if the odds are unwinnable, you must give it your all nonetheless. 
I've had terrible few years. I lost my mom in 2009 and one of my best friends in 2006 and a few long-time pets. In 2009, my elderly father became ill and for a time lived with my wife, which was no picnic for anyone concerned. But as always, we got through it. 2009 was a trying but inspiring year as I discovered your site and it reignited within me my absolute love of all things Spider-Man. I had abandoned comics in my 20s and 30s due to, my, due to life, university work, etc. But thanks to your excellent efforts, my life has become a little fuller again. I have a passion for a character who, while presently labeled as the world's greatest superhero, seems to be having some trying times. I will not com- comment criticize the current Marvel mandate, though I am a marriage fan for life, due in no small part to the brilliant Straczynski run. Now, on September 5th, 2012, I lost my job, days shy of my 43rd birthday, but I will survive, thanks no small part, to the example set by my favorite hero, in the face of never-ending trials and the humorous, lively, passionate reviews, conversation, and debate of you and your associates and fellow fans, which never fail to inspire. I cannot thank you enough. I wish you and yours nothing but the best, and will continue reading as long as... As long as your site is active. Thanks again, Hector. Hector, that was really nice. I, I just appreciate that. And Spider-Man touches us all. He's the Everman. And I hope... Uh, well, he obviously did. He got you through some tough times. So you got to have a... Hum- show. He, he hates <laughs> it. And I hope he may not be a regular poster on the message or on the front page. I'm sure he's listening to the show since he said he's listened to a bunch of them. So Hector, I thought that was a great email. All right, let's do spider news. Do- uh, Donovan, we're going to start with you with this topic. It's been announced. Dum, dum, dum. Mr. Man is ending with number 700. Tell me it's not so. There's absolutely no description of what's in issue 700 if you read the solicitations, with the exception of it's going to be 8 bucks and 104 pages. If we go by what the description is for 699, it says this is the must read that turns all over to all the cards and s- reveals secrets that have been set f- as far back as ends of the earth, Spider Hi- Island, and 99 issues ago, and Spider Man 600. Dr. Octopus has hours left to live. He knows Peter Parker's secret. Again, I, I added that. He has no master plan. All he wants is vengeance. Which members of Spider Man's Rogues Gallery will heed Doc Ock's call to arms? Get it? Arms. A.K.A. Kevin's favorite. The Spider Slayer. Morbius, Kevin's favorite. Woo! And seeing Spidey Foes. That is the description for 699. So, Don, ASM, 700's last issue. What do you think? Um, Two things on this. Uh, One, and I know we're probably going to bridge onto this very soon, but uh, I, I think because of Marvel now, you know, being a crazy coincidence of this coming around the same time that ASM 700 is coming out, that it will probably be renumbered with uh, Superior Spider-Man. So, like, I mean, Marvel is not going to go forever without a Spider-Man title. It's like Silver Sable dying. If you think that that's true, then, you know, you're not – you're new to the game. Um, also, I remember the first time I heard this, I was a little melancholic because I am sentimental towards ASM and – I don't know. I don't know how. I, I mean, this, this might be. This might sound mean. I'm not sure how I feel about Dan Slott writing the last issue of Amazing Spider-Man, and I know that it's going to come back eventually. Like once uh, Superior Shining Spider-Man reaches number 50, it's going to be Amazing Spider-Man number 750. What about all these years we've celebrated these issues? What, what a memorable time this has been. Like they cheated with Thor. So like I mean, this, this is going to be kind of. You know, I mean, there's no, there's no guessing. This is that's what's going to happen. But uh, I, I'm also, I'm actually actually interested as to seeing what. They're going to cook up for 700. Um, a popular theory on Newsarama 
which is always right and never wrong, is that uh, <laughs> that Spider-Man is going to have uh, Doc Ock's tentacles grafted to his sides, which I know that's been done before. But like, I think that's just a weird way to end the series. I think maybe if he wants to be Stan Lee, he wants to do that. But I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, open it up. Everybody hop in. Well, All right, I, I can go first. Go ahead, Chris. Well, I don't think the theory of Spider-Man getting Doc Ock's arms is just as big and crazy enough to be the ending of Amazing Spider-Man and get all this hype, because it's just something that seems like it would be the plot of, like, a three-part story and then be done. It's, you know, nobody would be shocked by it. Um, One theory that I had that I posted on the board was that, and I'm, I'm sure this is wrong, but it was just something that made a lot of sense and I would throw it out, that somehow... Spider-Man and Doc Ock will switch minds and bodies, and so Doc Ock will continue as Spider-Man in the body of Peter Parker. And I remember I had what? reasons for—I remember I had reasons for thinking this. Drugs? But, <laughs> yeah. Um, no. Uh, but the Doc Ock is—I I think he has a motivation to, since he's dying, it resolves that plot like Peter can die in Doc Ock's body or something or that would be what Doc Ock would want to do and it makes sense with the word superior because Spider-Man wouldn't really refer to himself as superior it's something that evokes like an egotistical mind and we know the story has something to do with Doc Ock so that's that's just uh something I'd throw out there the new series is Doc Ock's brain in Peter Parker's body as the superior Spider-Man and, like and we'll get an awkward been... scene where he hits on Aunt May in Peter Parker's body. Oh, of well, course. That Wolverine and Spider-Man a while back. Yeah, they did well, that in Ultimate Spider-Man. I mean, that's that's an old plot, but uh, I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, you know, it's a, you know what oh. that they could do. I mean, that would tear Spider-Man down. He'd be wanted again, and um, Peter Parker would probably lose his job at Horizon Labs Ooh-hoo. after a, what a year of Superior Spider-Man. We come back. Seven, thirteen, amazing. I don't know. They'd probably do a number one if I had to guess of amazing. Well, I'm, well Spider-Man's be coming clear back too. after the six twelve point one. Six twelve point one. There you go. <laughs> the new title could still be just called Amazing Spider-Man, just because the word on the teaser says superior doesn't mean that's actually going to be the adjective. That hasn't been the case for every teaser they've done. In fact, it's been the case for less and less over time. Yeah, but we got the uh, the what's what's the Thor? Thor six hundred. No, no. What's Thor's new adjective? Uh, Thor is now Thor, god of thunder. There you go. Which is not indestructible Hulk. Indefatigable X Men. (laughs) But yeah, you get things like Chimichangas is the new Deadpool title, and Family is the new Fantastic Four title. Don't really what's going on. Yeah, chimichangas was the teaser. Yeah, words. And I was saying this was these were the teaser words, but they didn't actually become the titles. Oh, okay, gotcha. Like the new uh, <laughs> the new Kieran Gill and Jamie McKelvey book has been uh, the teaser is amateurs. I guarantee you the book is not going to be called amateurs. It could be. That's funny. That would be a pretty bad way to sell it. <laughs> well, what was it? Nineteen ninety nine is when Amazing four forty one came out. Is that right? I don't know. Nineteen ninety eight. It was the very it was the very end of 1998. There you go, Bertonio. We haven't heard you too since. What do you think? How long have you guys known me? <laughs> <laughs> I, I I hate renumberings. I hate point ones. I hate issue negative one. I yeah. you know like when you count and it's like what Brad said. One issue it confuses your long boxes when like you know your long boxes go. 
you know, eight, nine, ten, seven hundred, seven hundred and one, seven hundred point zero, issue ten, issue like yeah. It's numbers just don't freaking matter anymore. Like Fantastic yeah. Four ended, but then Future Foundation continued their numbering, but then like but then they, when they hit a certain issue, they hit issue what right. was it, six hundred because they use Future Foundation's numbering, but then Future Foundation continued as a separate series, even though it was supposed to be continuing the other one's numbering. And then it's, it's like, it's this whole illusion that a number one is going to make people come because, ooh, it's a beginning. Like, this is the beginning of the character, you know, like, and I can't read unless it's the beginning of the character, even though this character's been around for 50 years, and we've had, on the banner... 50 years of Amazing Spider-Man, but you're going to, like, fool people. Oh, but this is the beginning. This is the beginning. you got to read it. It's the beginning. This is why I've been quiet. <laughs> One of my favorite lines is from Kevin. That, uh, Bendis has written two issues of Avengers 27. <laughs> <laughs> I love that line. Uh, well, we're, we're all still going to buy it, I guess. Hey, can I say but, something oh, about yeah. the numbering issue? Why not? Yeah, buddy. Yeah, I just, I don't always hate these numberings because I, because I've been thinking about this over the past month, and I keep thinking of, like, new number ones that have been really good. Like, when Ed Brubaker first took over Captain America, it was a new Captain America number one. When uh, Jeff Johns took over Green Lantern, there was a miniseries, and then a new Green Lantern number one. So these renumberings aren't always bad. But then again, this is the same writers and same creators, apparently from the Superior teasers. So... It might not be the same fresh start those other things were, and it is well, just we, a gimmick. So, amusingly, I mean, both of those examples you used are people that have since then done a second number one on the same title. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, if you go to your Spider History, Mackie and Byrne ended Amazing Spider-Man Volume 1, and they started Volume 2 together. Oh, yeah. So, so Spider-Man hasn't had a new writer with a new issue one yet. And it was yeah. very successful. <laughs> not. And to be used, you know, like to to springboard this future stuff. Keeping along with the theories thing, I uh, posted a thing on the front page uh, of what I think is going to happen. So I'm going to read you the four things that I'm going to happen. I want to debate that just a little bit with the gang, if uh, the link will work. Of course, my site goes down right when <laughs> 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 I click on the link. Hello. All right doing from memory because I, I I think I had like four theories and so far because I, I wrote them like a month ago on the front page you're two for two and uh, I'm two for two at this point I have a- the first the first one was that uh, amazing spider-man volume two is ending and so far that's been proven correctly and um, the other one is that slot will continue to write the book that has also been confirmed with the the teaser. Uh, here we go. Uh, let's see. Slot's going to be on. Um... Yeah, you called the, the superior teaser that was released without any names was Spider-Man. My my other theory is that uh, it's going to be called Superior Spider-Man. They're going to dump the amazing. And um, we're going to get a new number one. So... The theory of a new number one and a new um, new title. New title. That's been pretty much confirmed since Amazing 700's ending. Uh, my my off the wall theory is that Spider Man is going to get Alpha's powers, hence the Superior Spider Man, uh. where 
he's going to be a Captain Universe type hero. Oh, you mean like when they did that before? Exactly. Well, they did Doc Ock before too. They did this brain switch with Wolverine. So everything's this pretty much been done before. Yeah, it's really hard to think of something that's shocking enough to that's exactly. worthy of ending Amazing Spider-Man that would actually surprise anybody. Because like, even if he died, we'd all know he was coming back. There's like almost nothing they can do. Uh, and especially someone so Rock big that we're the same person this whole time. Yeah, and if he dies, it's been done in the Ultimate Universe less than he died it was in the done other. in um the other. And it was done in uh, the first Secret Wars. He, there's like a thing Here's on SpiderFan.org all the times that Spider-Man's died. Like, there was a Thanos thing once where, like, Thanos let him come back to, like, save a kid or something. Secret Wars, like, the Beyonder kills, the Doom is the Beyonder kills everyone he comes back. The other he dies. Um, there's, yeah. the, the, there's like, a crucify? whole list. Say what? Didn't somebody crucify him in, in some story? Probably. He came back to life because, because you know, comics. <laughs> Spider-Man has the Jesus complex. Of course he got crucified. Everything's his fault, and he must, here's like, die for everyone's sins. Here's the question. Like, what what can possibly happen that nobody's guessing? Like, could he get back with Mary Jane again? Could he get back with Carly again? Could he get with Jonah? Could, like, any of those characters die? Like, what can they possibly throw at us now because the character's been around for 50 years? Uh, whatever it is, it's something that Dan loved. What? What, Chris? I said Doc Ock takes over Peter's body and marries Mary Jane. It goes with what <laughs> Slot says, you'll get what you want, but not the way you want it. Well, uh, 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 I know oh, that was one of his quotes, right? So oh, there, there you go. Doc Ock bangs Mary Jane. Oh, no. This been out of there somewhere. Man. That's probably even oh. been done. Probably happens in the Ultimate Universe or something. Awful. <clears throat> And then Mary That's... Jane falls in love with Doc Ock, and like maybe it, it becomes like a Mega Mind type story where like Doc Ock becomes good through her, and then when Peter comes back, she chooses to stay with Doc Ock, and then Peter walks away all sad with the Spider Man shadow behind him. I don't think that that's gonna happen. I'm just that's, awful. that's all. Um, Does any of that do any of those storylines sound good? Oh, or we're have... pro- we're probably all wrong. Another interesting thing is Wacker hinted at him in one of the letter columns that he was, like, leaving this editing yeah. Spider-Man titles. I think it might be a trick, like, yes, that's right. I will not be editing Amazing Spider-Man anymore. And then, like, a month later, I'll be editing Superior Spider-Man. Derpa, derpa, derpa. Exactly. <laughs> Here, let's go around the bend. Does any, do we all think it's going to be called Superior Spider-Man or Amazing Spider-Man? Um, Spider-Man. I don't know what it's going to be called, but I don't think it's going to be called Superior Spider-Man. Why would okay. they want to call it Amazing Spider-Man? It's not like there was a hit movie out this summer that had that name. That would be a perfect tie-in title comic. Does anybody agree with me it's going to be called Superior Spider-Man? I agree with you, Brad. I think you're okay, right. Okay, cool. cool. Uh, do, or do you think it's going to be some other adjective? Just, like, call it Spider-Man. Mary Jane, the spectacular Spider-Ma'am. Spider-Ma'am. Octo-Spider, the eight-legged spider. And do a Todd McFarlane number one again. Adjective list. Anyway, they did that with Uncanny. Well, no, all new, all X Men. Um, keeping along the same lines of Amazing Spider-Man 700, it's been released. Um, how many variants are going to be on this cover? Oh yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. This is Amazing. I don't know what the the standard cover is. But it's going to cost seven dollars ninety nine cents. Probably Ramos because he's the artist. I imagine. I don't know. Well, there's a Ramos variant too. Let me go over the different variants. There's the regular covers for seven dollars ninety nine cents. There's the Steve Ditko variant. 
There's the Anniversary Collage variant. There's the Marcos Martin variant, the Humberto Ramos variant, and the Joe Quesada variant. Now, I did a little math for this. This is how it works out. If you order 200 copies of the regular cover, you'll get one Steve Ditko variant. That would be $7.99 times 200 issues, $1,598. Uh. If you want to do the anniversary collage, you'll need to order 50 copies of the $7.99 book for $399.50. Marcos Martin, 1 in 50, will get you one variant. Again, that's almost 400 bucks. The Humberto Ramos, 1 in 50, will get you his variant for 400 bucks. The Joe Quesada, now get this. You have to order 700 copies of the regular book to get one variant from Quesada that would cost you $5,593 for that. If you add all that shit up, <laughs> that would cost you $8,397.49. Who's doing that? <laughs> this is not an instance where someone's going to say, shut up and take my money. Because the key phrase here is, if you want to. And who, who, who wants to spend $5,000 on a Joe Quesada variant? Well, here, here's a question as a retailer. Say I order generally a thousand copies of Amazing Spider-Man generally for my store, which I don't know of any store besides a huge one like in Midtown Manhattan or whatever that would order a thousand copies of one book. But maybe I'm off. But how much as a retailer am I going to put on a on a sticker on that variant copy to sell it? Wouldn't you put a $5,000 price tag on it? Well, uh, no, because you're actually you're selling most of the comics that you bought to get that. And as you said, you're already buying a bunch of Amazing Spider-Man comics. Then it's not that out of your way. Plus, you're never going to sell it for $5,000. It could be... I, I would not pay $5,000 for a variant cover by Jack Kirby drawn from his grave. <laughs> okay, what's what's the sticker price that you're going to see these retailers put on this Joe Quesada variant? Probably at least bucks? fifty. Twenty bucks? How much? I'd say at least fifty. <clears throat> and all these people advertising the Dicko thing this this has become a pet peeve of mine. Stop calling it unreleased Dicko art. Stop calling it never before seen Dicko art. This unused cover of Amazing Fantasy issue fifteen has been reprinted so many times. I saw that cover when I was like eleven years old in um, the reprint series Spider-Man Classics, and it's yeah. been in so many other places since then. And they're like, I saw it. I saw it in Marvel Tales, I think, back in the yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. Stop saying never before released. Dicko art. You've released it and released it and released it. Does this like, have anything to do it. with like the whole the, when when Dan Slott, like you know like begged uh, a retailer to say please uh, buy more issues of ASM six ninety seven or something? No, that. no, the, 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 he, he just said that, that like the issue is so important that if people don't buy it, they're going to be like missing out, and the internet promptly exploded. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as, as I often want to do. Well, I mean, here's a question: Is there any fan that does this? No, yes. damn it. No, damn it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's a fan that's that's that insane. I mean, I'm sorry. I I will spend a lot of a lot of money for uh for uh, Spider-Man comics. Josh has seen me do this live in person, but I draw the line when when we get into the thousand dollar range because it's just twenty pieces of paper. Well, I mean, if if uh, that variant for Joe Quesada is five grand, you could get a very nice Amazing Spider-Man number one for that. Huh? You know, 
you could get a nice Amazing Fantasy 15 for that, couldn't you? I thought you could get an that? Amazing Spider-Man number one at my comic shop for three dollars. It'll just be the 1998 one. <laughs> <laughs> That's cheating. <laughs> uh, Will you buy this? Chris, we haven't heard from what? Would you? What'd would you, you spend this much money on them? No, absolutely not. You know, I actually I I, I inquired. Uh, to our sponsor, Mail Order Comics, because I, I get my books there, and they had fifty percent off the cover, and they they said that they can't do anything better than that, and the the, the variants would be few and far between from what they regular order, so they couldn't give me a price of how much they'd sell their stuff for yet if they ha- had any of these variants. But I, I I have problems. First of all, eight bucks for the regular book is expensive, right? Yeah. That's I mean, about the most expensive single issue I'll ever have bought. I mean, and it's granted it's a hundred pages, and half of it is a brand new story by Slot and Ramos. They have his reprints. Six ninety two was not a good example of money well spent because we had a poor alpha issue, and we had two backups that were piss poor. I mean, I would buy the full price for uh, seven hundred because it is an anniversary issue and it's that much content. I mean, I don't think that's a big deal, but like. Thousands of dollars <laughs> for variant cover, which you easily print off the computer and put as a faux poster on your wall. It's like, yeah, and you know, you'll probably see that Cusada probably hadn't even drawn the thing yet because they haven't released the image. To... That's that's poor marketing too, I would think. If 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 you've got a variant cover that's going to cost that much to order, if you're a retailer, wouldn't you like to see an image of what the picture is going to look like before I? Plop down that much you know, money? why are we pretending that Joe Quesada is a brilliant Spider-Man artist? <laughs> I mean, he, I don't think he's a bad artist, but for Spider-Man, I really don't like that style. It's, it's too gritty, and, you know, he makes Mary Jane look awful. And, uh, for me, it's just that his Spider-Man has ears to the mask. I never like that. Yeah. I got you. Chris, we haven't heard from you. What Are you you plopping down eight grand? Hell no. Uh, <laughs> even if it was, like, actual, like, if Steve Ditko <laughs> drew a cover now... You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't pay any extra m- money for the issue. I, I don't care about variant covers. It doesn't excite me. If I want to see that art, I can see it on my computer, or I can, there, you know, I, it's, it, it doesn't give me anything of value to say that you've printed out an extra, you know, eight by eleven picture of this just for me. It, it doesn't help me. It doesn't, doesn't improve the story. I don't really care about covers that much at all. Now, would the story be different if we did what so, so they did back in the 1990s with Slingers? Slingers number one, which was the Identity Crisis, where Spider-Man had four different costumes. Oh, yes. They re- they released a number one with instead of variant covers, they did variant interiors with a different story inside. Now that no, it was the same that... story, but there was like two or three pages that were different in each issue, from like depending on which cover you got, because it would focus on each character. Well, that's different interiors, right? Yeah, yeah, but you make it sound like the whole issue is different. You said like a different story. They had the same basic story, but then like I guess it would branch off at one point and talk about one of the four slingers. And depending on which variant you got, you got like two pages or something on each why, slinger. Why don't they do that with different interiors? Because, because it's the a scam. Because because it would off. piss everybody off. That's when I say <laughs> blow me and walk the other way. Somebody's shirt was red when it was originally pink. That's the difference. <laughs> Uh, all right, so nobody's g- going well, we for that. We talked last month about how you know 
if you had the money to buy original art, that's one thing. But covers is like you know, it's been copied, it's been printed, it's been Xerox. So like it, it to me, it cheapens the artistic into in uh, integral value. So that's I mean, in terms of like you know, between a cover and a piece of art, a cover is not that important to me. Yeah. All right, moving on. Unless somebody has something else to say about seven hundred, we have like three different topics of that one. Okay. Uh. Kevin, you've got this next one. It's been announced that uh, Andrew Garfield and Mark Webb are going to return for Amazing Spider-Man 2, the superior Spider-Man. Looks like the production will resume in 2013 on the sequel for a release date of May 2nd, 2014. Uh, Again, it's going to be 3D. Uh, What's her name? Um, when Stacy? Uh, Emma Stone. Emma Stone has not been confirmed yet for the role, but I'm sure she will be there. They signed several picture deals, don't they? And that's what was confusing to me when this announcement was made. They they said, "Oh, officially, Mark Webb and Andrew Garfield are back," and I was thinking, "Did you not lock them some bitches into a trilogy contract when you started? Because <laughs> that was a terrible idea if you didn't." Um, so, two cents on the. Everybody coming back for it. Well, first off, I really hope they have a better title than Amazing Spider-Man 2 when it comes out. Because that just sounds a little funny to me. Maybe it's just me. Um, but really, I mean, I always assumed it, so I'm not like surprised. But I'm really glad, because I think they made a great Spider-Man movie. And it was obvious that it wasn't the end of their story. Um, you know, with the weird little uh during the credits piece there they were teasing something else they were talking about norman osborne is dying the whole time um so they you know really need to continue that plus andrew garfield was a great peter parker great spider-man i thought so it's great to have him back um the other funny thing though i think with this uh confirmation is a lot of people are complaining that when they confirmed these guys when they got these guys on board the release date got delayed and i'm thinking no they the studio put out a wishful thinking release date and then these guys got hired and they gave you an actual one it's not really delayed it's just this is when it can be done right right what do you want to see in 2 the um, second one well morbius uh, <laughs> I, I'm not really that kind of guy. I don't care if Morbius is in it. I mean, I'd be happy if Morbius was in it, but really, I, the Lizard is probably, as I've said many times, my least favorite classic villain, and they still made the best Spider-Man movie I've ever seen while using the Lizard, so yeah. I'm kind of trusting at this point whoever they feel like using, they've probably got a good story for. So I, go ahead. I think the speculation that... Michael Massey's character in the during the credits scene was Electro is some pretty solid speculation. So we'll see if that actually was and if he's in the next one. Maybe we're going to start some Sinister Six. That would be kind of awesome. Oh, that would be awesome. Because he did ref- – if it was Electro, he did make a reference to we, like he was part of a group. So it would be, be mm. kind of cool if the Sinister Six was sort of moving in the background. Because yeah. really, you're, the thing with that is you're never going to have one movie franchise long enough to introduce each of the six villains in their right. own movie and then bring together a Sinister Six. If you're going to do it, you got to do it like that. Gotcha. Uh, who would you like consist of your six? What was that? Who would you like to be on your Sinister Six? Um, For that movie, I yeah. would... I don't know. I guess... 
Electro, obviously, would be great if, if that was who that is. I could see them bringing the Lizard back for it. It would be pretty good to do Craven for that, because unless you're going to flash forward and do a movie out of Craven's Last Hunt, there's really not another Craven story that would ever give him his own movie. Right. Um, you know, the audience is already familiar with Doc Ock, so if you want to pull him in, that would be cool. Norman? I, classic Sinister Six could pretty much work. I I feel like they're building up Norman as more of a huge kingpin character in this series than just, you know, part of a team. Unless maybe he's leading the team. That would be fine. And there's also been talk of a Venom spinoff movie, so I think Venom would be a natural fit. Uh, yeah, that's happening still. <laughs> yeah. So when was the last time they made an update on that? Oh, six months. 2007. <laughs> right, actually, right after the movie came out, if I remember. Yeah, correctly. I do remember that very well. July-ish? So, in yeah, 1992, they, they said it, but... Catwoman's popular because of Batman Returns. We're doing, we're going to do a Catwoman movie. It took, and they were talking about that until we finally got the Halle Berry thing. That's how long Venom's going to take. Yeah. Well, Venom is one of those things that I'll see. I'll believe it when I see it because they've been talking about it yeah. for so long. All right, let's open it up to the gang. What do you think of Garfield and Webb coming back? Are we happy? Are we sad? No, I want other people that I've never heard. Now I'm playing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I want Donald Glover. <laughs> I'd pay money to see that. I think generally the panel loved the movie. I mean, when when it came out, I I, I think everybody pretty much liked it. I think the so I, direction was fine, but like, I mean, I really liked Andrew Garfield. I mean, I think he was yeah. one of my favorite parts of the movie besides Emma Stone. Exactly, and I and do you hope that they revisit the the burglar or well, I guess he's not the burglar the 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 drugs the milk stealer. The, the milk stealer. <laughs> do you hope he finds Uncle Ben's killer? Well, I kind of do, because otherwise that plot thread from the whole first movie went nowhere. Yeah, and and he Uncle Ben never said, "With great power comes great responsibility." We're going to say now he's dead. Oh yeah, he didn't say and it he, until the eighties, like in the comics. Like that was like a that was like a retcon. Like it was in the original Amazing Fantasy fifteen, but it was as a caption. And it was as Peter's motto. Like, we didn't get well, the did. whole Uncle Ben... Yeah, we didn't get the whole Uncle Ben told this to me, We're like, you know, when I was a little boy at his knee until the 80s. And then the so movies we didn't and the get, cartoon did it. We didn't get the exact quote in the movie, but I don't remember what it was, but Ben said something like that to him about, like, his father believed something. In responsibility or something like that. Yeah, said, I mean, I, the I idea was in there. Yeah, yeah. And frankly, I, I, I think I forget who it was pointed out that the Raimi movies kind of beat us over the head with it so much that it's kind of all right to not have the exact quote there as long as you got the spirit. Refresh me with Amazing Fantasy fifteen. Was it the the and overhead bolt? Uh, he, 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 <laughs> wa- he walks away at the end, and then like you know the narrator's like, and so he learns that it's the narrator that said with great power, or is it Peter's it, voice that said it? It's the narrator, and then Peter's okay. voice when he recaps his origin says it over the years. Okay. And then in Spider-Man versus Wolverine, like that was like in the eighties, that was like one of the first times where like he says, "Yes, I'll never forget when Uncle Ben told me great power comes great responsibility." <laughs> And then the cartoon had, like, you know, Uncle Ben, you know, fishing with Peter. Like, don't forget, Peter, when you're fishing, with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> then the movie. I just can't do it, Uncle Ben. You know my wrong look. <laughs> that, leads. that is really funny. <laughs> well, uh, um, you know who I, I like to see in the Sinister Six? Rhino, Shocker, Mysterio. Um, who else was in the cartoon? <laughs> uh, <those guys. laughs> Yeah, well, 6. <laughs> I, 
Haven't said chameleon. Six would be great to have some villains that can't support their own movie as one villain. Yeah. Like the chameleon. Like Craven can't. The chameleon can't. I think Electro could. Think of all the washed-up actors you can get to play the Sinister Six. <laughs> now, Electro would be a huge stretch for his own movie, because, I mean, he's got great powers and everything, but, I mean, tell me a great story of the character. Marvel Knights. Um, Electro would be cool visually on the screen, and they've been talking about Electro as far back as James Cameron. You know, you know it's probably because yeah. of the animated series. I'm, I'm not really... I've read a lot of Electro stories, but I don't think that Electro is a very prominent Spider-Man villain past a certain decade. So I'm not saying that he couldn't be, but like I think that like in the public mindset, people want to see more of the Venoms, the Goblins, the um, uh, the Alphas. I don't know. I think I that think... they should do a Spider-Man story where Electro upgrades his powers, and then when Spider-Man fights him, he says, Electro's never been able to use his powers like this much before. <laughs> They do that story every 10 years. Tom DeFalco did in the 90s, and we had it again um, during, what was it? Um, what was that thing where all the villains were supposedly getting upgraded? Um, the Gauntlet. The Gauntlet. The Gauntlet, yeah. yeah. That's a common Electro story in it. He's been upgraded. He's been upgraded. A good yeah. Electro story was um, uh, the sequel to Death of Gene DeWolf. I, I forget what they actually called it, but it was... Um, like the sin, it w- the sin either comes back or but he's crippled, and Spider-Man's afraid to fight Electro because he sees like the damage that he did on Stan Carter, and Electro's taunting Spider-Man throughout the story. It was actually really good. Yeah, I've read that. I think it might have actually just been called like Sin Eater Two. <laughs> wow. That's and if, if you think of it, that would be a great opportunity for Marvel to sell more Spider-Man toys because, in order for Spider-Man to fight Electro, he needs a suit that's grounded or something like that. So he didn't. Get you know what I would key. really like to see though, like real talk. I really would like to see uh, uh, Mary Jane because I think that would be an interesting way for a trilogy to like naturally progress uh, other characters into Peter's life. Here's what I'm thinking is happening. The um, I think Amazing Three will be the the go- I think the Sinister Six or the Goblin is going to kill Gwen Stacy, and you'll probably see a six months later, you hear a knock on the door. And yeah. Mary Jane oh. does the face at Tiger, and it's some famous. <laughs> that really selfish of her. He's crying in his room. She, he opens the no, door. No, six months later, you just hit the jackpot. Six months after your girlfriend dies, you're, 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 you hit the jackpot, baby. <laughs> <laughs> no, they'll probably have her be around the same time as Gwen. That way, they can play up the whole like you know Twilight mentality of like today's youth. Like, are you on Team Gwen or Team Mary Jane? And then like you know, girls will wear the shirts and stuff. And and the girl with so, the glasses in the first movie was Carly. So you'd think uh, Mary Jane's in the second one? I, you want her I think the that they're going to stay away from Mary Jane for a while because they, it seems like they're trying to distance themselves from Raimi things because it's – and Mary Jane was, like, very, very prominent in the Raimi movies. But Sam Raimi's making the Wizard of Oz movie with, with James Franco as the Oz. Harry Osborn goes to Oz. Because <laughs> <laughs> you'd have ended. That's what he's meant. <laughs> uh, Oz. He's Oz. Osborne. Uh oh. Uh uh. Get it. Get it. I get it. I get it. We next, get it. We just don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bertoni, you got this next one. Uh, this one concerns Gwen Stacy. You like that segue? Uh, and his, uh, not creator, but the guy who killed him. Her murderer. <laughs> Her murderer. Jerry Conway. This book, I'm actually going to order this book because it looks good. Uh, it's called Marvel Comics The Untold Story. And in it, Jerry Conway talks about killing Gwen Stacy. And he's quoted as saying, 
Uh, quote, Gwen Stacy, she was a non-entity, a pretty face. She bought, brought nothing to the mix. It made no sense to me that Peter Parker would end up with a babe like that who had no problems. No problems. And only a damaged person would end up with a damaged guy like Peter Parker. And Gwen Stacy was perfect. It was basically Stan fulfilling Stan's own fantasy. <laughs> Stan married a woman who was pretty much a babe. And Joan Lee was a very attractive blonde who was obviously Stan's ideal female. Mm -hmm. And I think Gwen was simply Stan replicating his wife, just like Sue Storm was a replication of his wife. And that's where his blind spot was. The amazing thing was he created a character like Mary Jane Watson, who was probably the most interesting female character in comics. And he never used her to the extent that he could have. Instead of Peter Parker's girlfriend, he made her Peter Parker's best friend's girlfriend, which is so wrong and so stupid and such a waste. So killing Gwen was a total logical, if not inevitable, choice. All right. For Tony, what do you think of that? Okay, well, it's, it confirms a lot of stuff that people have been saying about Conway for years. And when I first did the Gwen articles... I looked at them, like, years ago. From a modern perspective, I was looking at Gwen and the character, and I'm like, yeah, she's this, yeah, she's that, yeah, he's right, she's uninteresting. Um, I'm in a bit of a different approach now. When, like, when you read other Marvel series at the time, Gwen was a Silver Age Marvel girlfriend, and there was only one way to write a Silver Age girlfriend at the time. Once you got together with your Silver Age Marvel girlfriend, she was a complication for you. She was there to be mad at you for no reason when you went away. She was there to, like, make you jealous by, like, hanging out with Flash Thompson. And Gwen wasn't the only one that done this. First of all, Gwen pretty much served the same role that Betty served, you know, before her. And the same role that the other girlfriends in the other superhero series served at the time, like Karen Page and stuff. The difference is, you know, we're always going to see Gwen as that Silver Age Marvel girlfriend because she died before she can become something different. They did not write Marvel girlfriends, like, in different ways until, I'd say, closer to the Bronze Age, the 80s, the 90s, and the stuff. If Mary Jane had become Peter's girlfriend in the, in the Silver Age, like his permanent girlfriend instead of Gwen... Mary Jane would have had to have, like, complicated Peter's life. She would have had to have been mad at him. She would have had to have basically pulled the Gwen role, the Gwen role and she would have been a much different character. Now, that said, this kind of confirms, like I said before, that Conway did not like Gwen. And when I was doing the Gwen articles, I was looking at Gwen issue by issue. And when Stanley was writing the series, Gwen was in, like, big parts of the plot for pages and pages. When I got to the early Conway issues, the, the first, like, few issues of Conway's run... Gwen was literally only in, like, a few panels of an issue, for the most part. And it, I, I found that interesting from, like, the modern perspective, knowing what I know about Conway and Gwen. And it's it's almost to the point where you can see that the obvious bias is there, and that's partially why he killed her. But he's looking at this from, remember, he was 17 years old when he started writing Spider-Man, and he was 19 when he killed Gwen. So he's looking at this from, like, a teenager's point of view of these characters. Like, and if you're a teenager you know, who read Spider-Man as a kid, you're going to hate Gwen Stacy because it's like, oh, that girl, what is she doing being mad at Spider-Man? He was off fighting crime. So, of course, he grew up hating Gwen. And maybe that's looking too deeply in the Conway psyche. But it's all there. Um, but I, What do you think Gwen Stacy would be like if she, was, she wasn't killed? What, what would she be like in the... In the all the Betty Brandt jokes aside, she would basically be another Betty Brandt, a girl that Peter was involved with once upon a time who's now just like an in-and-out member of his supporting cast. Because yeah. all that stuff that he said about Gwen before she died, oh, I love her so much, oh, this and that, he was saying that stuff about Betty in the late Dicko run. 
Yep. You know, and then and he got over that. I mean, it's if Betty would have been killed by the master planner at the end of the master planner storyline, she would have had a Gwen Stacy legacy because he was saying stuff like, oh, I want to marry her. Oh, the, my torch will burn forever, even though she's with Ned Leeds. Well, the, that torch didn't burn forever. When your mm-hmm. girlfriend dies, she basically becomes a martyr for all time. Like um, uh, Kyle Rayner's girlfriend. What was her name? Alex. Alex. The one that the, 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 the one that got stuffed in the refrigerator. Alex DeWitt. Yeah, Alex DeWitt, the the, the first woman in a in, the first official woman in a refrigerator. Not not to be confused with Joyce DeWitt from right. Three's Company. But, but anyway, and, go and ahead. if you need <laughs> and if you need proof that that Gwen has never been looked out upon as anything different than a Marvel Silver Age girlfriend, close your eyes and picture Gwen. What is she wearing? <laughs> the barrette and the hair and the skirt. She every high boots. Every time people Green. draw her. She's still wearing a Silver Age outfit. She's still wearing go-go boots for some reason. She's still wearing, like, her headband and stuff. Like, that would be like if every time someone drew Harry Osborn, he was in his bow ties and in, you know, his... <laughs> and, in, and and Flash Thompson, every time he showed up, was still in his, you know, like, Letterman jackets. And Mary Jane was always in the goddamn, you know, face tiger, you just hit the jackpot <laughs> outfit. These people wore different outfits as the series evolved, because as the times moved on and as the series evolved... Their characters evolved. It, it bugs me in the Clone Saga when, like, the Jackal clones Glenn Stacy. He puts her in a 60s outfit in a 90s story, <laughs> and it looks terribly weird. Because this character has never grown beyond the 1960s. Well, not to mention that? now, it's like that Spider-Man shouldn't have even been alive in the 60s. So the idea that she ever wore that, it's like, what the hell were you wearing, woman? It was, it was the 90s at this point. It's retro. One <laughs> <laughs> was always... Stuff. And the whole thing that, like, Gwen had no problems. Okay, first of all, like, y- you can't look at things from, like, a perspective like that saying that Mary Jane had no problems because we didn't know about Mary Jane's family history at the time. And mm-hmm. people look at the supporting characters back then and as if we know everything about them that we know now, but they did not flesh out supporting characters until, like, the 70s and the 80s. Mary Jane didn't even mention her parents until Amazing Spider-Man 192, the Spider Slayer issue. Yeah, there's a Spider Jeopardy question. No, not really. You don't have to study for that one. It, I mean, and Harry Osborn, his mother was never mentioned. Oh, no, no that's true. They, they did mention his dead mother in that first uh, Green Goblin, like, flashback machine issue. Uh, I mean, but we knew that Gwen had a dead mother. We knew that Gwen had a dad who was a cop. It's, she had no, like, Flash Thompson's problems. We didn't know those at the time either. You know, we didn't know about his abusive dad, and everyone in Spider-Man has abuse. Is the character that Emma Stone played... Not even close to the real not life. Not even kind of. Not, not uh, even not, not real life, but the character of Gwen Stacy. She's named Gwen Stacy. She has a dad who's a cop. She's in love with Peter Parker. It depends That's on what it. you consider Gwen Stacy's character traits. Because really, Gwen Stacy's character traits were... Because if you look at her before she was Peter's girlfriend, she was an interesting character. But when mm-hmm. someone becomes a Marvel Silver Age girlfriend, at the time, there was only one way to write a Marvel Silver Age girlfriend... And I guarantee that if they would have made Mary Jane the girlfriend instead, we'd be looking at a much different Mary Jane now in modern age. Yeah. All right. Anybody else's thoughts? I, I like the idea that he thinks that somebody with, that Peter Parker needs to be with needs to have problems. Um, but like that being said, I mean, obviously, I mean, yeah, I, I can't I can't add on to what Josh has said because that was basically like Amazing Spider-Man classics in, in ten minutes. <laughs> he does it all the time. <laughs> Very nice, Kev, Chris. Man, Bertoni nailed it. I, I 
it's been a long time since I've read issues that are that old. It's probably been at least five or six years. Um, and so my, I can't really remember specific examples, but I do remember like not Ditko's Gwen, but the early Romita and Lee Gwen. I enjoyed her as a character. She seemed like she had some wit and intelligence and some independence to her. Um, but when you got closer to where she was about to die, you know, she hardly ever showed up without crying or, you know, whining it. I mean, her dad died. I guess she gets to whine, but it wasn't a very pleasant, uh, character to read about. Wasn't somebody who seemed like a strong person. And so, you know, definitely by the time, maybe Conway feels that way about her because that's the way he wrote her. But I definitely don't think it's the only way that she had ever been written at that point. And Kev, if I remember correctly, you're a fan of her sleeping with Norman. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just don't care, is the thing. I don't have a whole yeah. lot of attachment to a character that was killed off in comic books about a decade and a half before I was born. So when they you know, ruined her whole saintliness with Sin's past, I didn't really care. And when the guy that killed her off in the 70s is talking about why he didn't like her before he killed her off, I don't really care. So... That's my general thought. I don't. I don't really um, care. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's why he's here, folks. That's true. You didn't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see, Chris. This one's yours, since you're a lawyer, and this is legal talk. We're pandering. Single male lawyer. <laughs> well, first of all, I haven't been. Uh, I haven't gotten my bar exam results yet, so I can't call myself a lawyer. But I do have a law degree. There you go. There you go. Which is better than all of us on the panel. <laughs> it is a degree in American law, not Israeli law. Let's just <laughs> right away. This one, the subject title is Marvel Sues the Kippa Man. Evidently, in Jerusalem, there is a store called the Kippa Man, and they sell Spider-Man kippas. And kippas are the hats that Jewish men wear during times of prayer. And they wear them on the back of their heads, and you can have different pictures, etc. Usually I just thought they were one color, but evidently Am I just they're like... Am for having, thinking, having thought it was called a yarmulke? I looked on Wikipedia and... Yeah, what's the difference? According to Wikipedia, they are the same thing. Okay. okay. So, um, <laughs> and I guess only boys wear these. Is that right? I don't know. I'm not Jewish. I don't know. Anyway, um, some representative from Marvel went to Jerusalem and they saw these uh, kippas on the uh, for sale. They have like Homer Simpson. They've got Batman on the back of them, and they've got Spider-Man. And uh, so Marvel and DC are suing the Kippa Man <laughs> <laughs> for twenty-five thousand dollars in damages of stealing their trademark. I guess. That's what you could call that. Yeah. So, Chris, what do you think of this? Well, like I said, I don't know what laws they have in Jerusalem, but uh, reading what appears to be the complaint, it seems like their legal gripe is, quote, a reasonable consumer could be fooled into thinking that the infringing product is manufactured and or sold by the plaintiff with the knowledge and or approval of the defendant. Um, I see. And so, yeah – 
to to translate that a little bit, like you guys know that in intellectual property law, there are different areas of law. There's copyright, there's trademark. I'm, I don't want to like bore everybody with what the difference is, but this appears to be a trademark claim, which is where the uh, company is saying, you know, basically Spider-Man is a symbol of our company. And when you put him on your product, you are sending a message to the consumers that this is a Marvel licensed product. It has been approved by our corporation. And so you're basically benefiting from the goodwill that our corporation has with consumers by putting our symbol on it and leading them to believe that it's a Marvel product. Or maybe if it's a shoddy product, perhaps you know, you might be damaging our brand name because people will then think it's a shoddy Marvel product. So mm-hmm. companies are given the right to control who basically uses their symbols. Like if I opened a restaurant and it had the McDonald's arches, um, you know, the McDonald's would sue me because they're like, people are coming in here thinking it's McDonald's and you are competing with us in the marketplace unfairly by taking our trademark. Um, so that's what I think that this means. I want to see single female lawyer argue that with you. I don't know. Allie McBeal? <laughs> is that her name? Yeah. Anyway, so I offer no opinion really on whether this is like a, a legally whether their whether their claim has legal merit because I don't. This isn't an area of law that I know much about, and I don't know anything about Israeli law. Um, but you know, so we can all offer our opinion on whether twenty five thousand dollars is owed to Marvel over this, just not legally, but. I guess morally or who deserves what, um, you know, it's to me, it, I have a hard time believing that they've made that much profit off of this particular Spider-Man Kippa. So this mm-hmm. is probably a punitive, you know, they're seeking ex- extra damages over and above what, how they've actually been harmed in order to deter future people from using the Spider-Man symbol without right. uh, permission. So that's what I think they're doing. And, and- um, you know, I don't know. I don't know if it's the right amount. I don't know if the facts really. It's, but it is what it is. Um, I do tend to support intellectual property laws. I think people should have a property right in their own ideas, um, and so I do think Marvel has the should have the right to enforce this. Uh, it it looks like looks like DC is also going after a Florida barber shop that uh, used a Superman symbol over their shop of the, what's it called, Superman Fades to Froze. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. I want to go there. Uh, (laughs) Which is just funny. Uh, (laughs) I have a question, though. Josh, is this Florida barbershop near you, Fades to Froze? Well, what city is it? Orange County, Florida. What county? Orange County. Orange County. That's um. I can probably be there in about an hour and a half. <laughs> you gonna go get your get a little fade on your fro? Uh, <laughs> I'll I'll look it up, and if it's like reasonable enough, because I'm going to Orlando next month, um, I, I will get my hair cut there, and I'll put it and I'll take a picture. <laughs> I would love it. I would love it. But anyway, I mean, I, I guess it's in Marvel's best interest and DC's best interest to protect people from having Spider-Man. Uh, barber shops and Superman barber shops and selling kippas, etc. I have a question for a uh, counselor, yeah. Chris. What's to <laughs> stop them from going after like the bootleg, like like Spider-Man kind of toys, which are obviously based off Spider-Man, but like you know, or like they have 
an image of Superman on the on the package, but Spider-Man inside the box. Like, why don't they go up to those guys? I mean, I don't know what like the legal merit of that claim would be because basically, I've only took taken like a one semester class on this sort of thing, so I I can't like say, oh, in this case, it would end up like this or that. But you know, just sort of non tangible reasons why they might not is first of all those people might be hard to find they might be hard to actually get any money out of because they're probably not you know probably not packing millions of dollars in their back pocket might just not be worth it to pay their lawyers to go through with that um you know I, that's the best i could say here's another question what what stops the companies from going after websites like mine or fan sites that, uh, that you don't make money I well, I cover my ba- my costs of hosting. But, it. but you're not making money off of like selling a Spider-Man product, and well, actually, I'll, I'll let Chris take this. Well, yeah, now, now, like, I, I don't want to like risk giving legal advice when I'm not qualified. Um, <laughs> Do it anyway. Just, just <laughs> you know, there is a doctrine called fair use, which is an exception to copyright law, and um, if you're worried about it, I would, you know, ask a, a lawyer about that right all right any other thoughts on uh copyright gang i'm just kind of curious who uh who buys a spider-man yarmulke to pray with what what how does that <laughs> if you are as long as listeners could actually when i was lit um i'm i'm from a dual religion family my mom's jewish my dad's christian so when we did uh hanukkah when we were younger we wanted like character yamaka, so I had a Ninja Turtle yamaka. Huh. So, I guess just you know, I, I was raised Catholic, so for me, I'm imagining like Spider-Man on the rosary beads. You know, you you wouldn't That'd be do cool. That. <laughs> it could be like webs, <laughs> very sacrilegious webs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that is it. Going to hell I mean, do, it, it, the theory of it does it get kids interested in religion? No, just <laughs> just kid, if kids if kids want to wear something, kids will want their favorite character on it. And when we were doing Hanukkah, do we want to wear a plain yarmulke or do I want Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? You know, it's, it's well, what's the kid gonna pick? I I, I just don't get. I, I don't know. You don't get the mind of a Jewish child, Brad. <laughs> Half Jewish, or uh, never mind. I, I can't get my fade and my fro out around it. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I my hair back and forth. Oh, oh yeah. dude. Oh wow! wow. I gotta have that in my head for the next two days. (laughs) All right. And we'll wrap up the episode right about there. Let me give another shout out to our sponsor, MailOrderComics.com. We're going to use Amazing Spider-Man number six ninety-nine as an example. The description reads that we've been leading up to this book for ninety-nine issues, and the Doc Ock knows Spidey's identity again, and he wants some vengeance. The cover price $3.99. Mail order has it for just $2.47, which is 38% off the cover price. So check them out at mailordercomics.com. Thanks for listening, gang. I'm your host and webmaster, Brad Douglas, for the Spider-Man Crawlspace.com. <laughs>